Hello and welcome to the 13th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi of DraftAnalyst.com, and I'm back in the saddle with Tony Pauline, as always, as we continue to give you in-depth coverage of every bowl game on the college football slate. What's up, Tony? Oh, not a heck of a lot. Finishing off this week of bowl games with three exciting games, some highly rated prospects, some guys who are going to go on the last day. But some fun games to watch, I'm sure, in some of these contests going to be a lot of points scored. So let's break it down. That first game we're going to watch definitely has some intrigue to it, and that's the Independence Bowl between 7-5 and five Duke and 8-4 and four Temple. Now, the Blue Devils have two early-round prospects, guys that are graded as top 100 players on our board. That's quarterback Daniel Jones and linebacker Joe Giles-Harris. Now, Giles-Harris, as of the time of this recording, is uncertain to play in this game due to injury, but we'll find out more about that as the days unfold. Temple, on the other hand, the Owls are full of third-day options, including running back Ryquel Armstead, who's also uncertain for this game at this time. Who are you focusing on here, Tony? Joe Giles-Harris really has not had the season that many had hoped. I've graded the guy between the third and fourth round the past two years. He's had his moments this year, but he's been a little bit banged up. Obviously, you got to watch Daniel Jones. This is very likely the last game he'll play for Duke. All the signs point that he's going to enter the draft. He's a terrific passer. He's a terrific next-level prospect. Not the finished product, but he's tall. He's instinctual. He's got a solid arm. Doesn't have a rocket arm. For the most part, makes good choices. We talked about him before. I mean, he kept that Duke team in the game during the first half against Clemson. Got the snot beat out of him. You saw him limping back into the uh, huddle during the second half. And he's that type of quarterback. He's the guy who can... I don't want to say he can carry his team on the shoulders, but he's going to keep his team in the game. Now, he's going to be going against Rock Yasin. Besides having a great name, a guy who has been skyrocketing up draft boards, entered the season as a street-free agent, has been terrific all year. He's got outstanding ball skills. Speed is a question. We're going to see him at the Senior Bowl. Really has just shown consistent development in his game throughout the year and has really turned himself into a late-round pick. So it'll be interesting to see if Daniel Jones challenges Rock Yassin and how Yassin responds when the ball is thrown in his direction. I'm glad you mentioned Yassin because he really is an interesting story. Uh, he's a FCS transfer, was playing at Presbyterian, and they shut down their football program. So he moved to Temple, and you know he's a guy that nobody really knew about heading into this season, but he's really rising, as you said. Could continue to rise with a good performance in the Senior Bowl and good marks at the Combine, even though he's not known for his speed. But he's six foot two. He's a physical corner with good length and decent ball skills, and near the top of the AEC conference in passes defended. So he's a guy that transitioned pretty smoothly to FBS football in his first year here. And he'll be a guy to watch in this game to see what he can do to disrupt Jones and the Duke passing offense. Because Jones is really a signal caller who's excellent at keeping the offense on schedule. You mentioned he kept them in that game against Clemson, even if the scoreboard and the stat sheet may not show it. But Jones does have the mobility to get outside the pocket, which is really key these days in the NFL with offensive line play deteriorating or maybe more accurately defensive line play really starting to excel. But Jones did make strides here this season with his accuracy and decision-making. I know you didn't love the progression that he had before this season last year, so it was nice to see him kind of step up and take a step forward there. He's a legitimate top 50 possibility. It's, it would be really surprising as a result if he didn't enter the draft. So I'm really interested to see what he's able to do in this game. I'm also interested if Raquel Armstead ends up playing, 
what he's able to do. Injuries have kind of been a bugaboo for him throughout his career, but he has feature back size. He has good quickness, good footwork, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. And those are kind of prerequisite traits here in today's NFL to be a useful player. Doesn't mean he's a 15 touch, 17 touch a game player, but he's a guy that can contribute in multiple facets to an offense. And those guys are really intriguing to NFL teams now. After his sophomore season, I had Armstead as a potential fourth-round choice, but like you said, he's been sidelined at points during the past two seasons because of injuries. He's more of an interior downhill grinder type of ball carrier, though he shows the ability to turn the corner on occasion. Another guy that's been struck with injuries the past couple of seasons at Temple is their big receiver, Ventel Bryant. Again, a guy who I thought was draftable, six foot three, two hundred pounds, big, tall possession type receiver who wins out for those contested throws but again you know it struggled I believe it was an ankle injury in 2017 really has not elevated his game since the 2016 campaign he's going to have to make it at the next level via the free agent route and here's an interesting name you know Temple always has a uh, defender that comes out of nowhere and basically surprises people whether it be early in the draft later in the draft Michael Dogby the defensive tackle is that guy this year. He's a guy who a lot of people like. Came into the season graded as a street-free agent. Just continues to make play after play after play. A guy who's quick, who's explosive, doesn't have great size. He's probably going to go about six foot three, 280 pounds. But if you're looking for a potential three-technique tackle late in the draft, you can find a guy like Dogby there. I presently have him graded as an undrafted free agent. But if he works out well and, and someone's really turned on by the film from 2018, which was very impressive at times, Dogby could end up jumping into the late rounds. Now we'll move on here and head to the Bronx for the pinstripe bowl, where we have two teams who are usually powers around the college football landscape, but had really tough seasons. Both went seven and five, and that's Miami and Wisconsin. Obviously, the Badgers' strength, as it is year in and year out, is their offensive line, and, and there will be plenty of names for us to discuss there. The Hurricanes also have several front seven players to challenge that offensive line on the defensive side of the ball. Which of the matchups here excite you the most, Tony? Well, it would be obviously the Wisconsin offensive line versus the uh, Miami of Florida defensive line. Gerald Willis, who didn't play in 2017, came into the season with low grades from scouts. He's just had an outstanding campaign. Right now, he grades as a second-day pick, probably a second-round pick. He's explosive. He's fierce. He's constantly disrupting the action. You really got to like his game. He's going to be going up against one of three guys, either Tyler Biadaz of Wisconsin, an offensive center who's on the rise, and a guy who you can make a case if he enters the draft would compete to be the first, one of the first centers off the uh, board, as well as their two other guards at Wisconsin, John Dietzen and Michael Dieter, guys who are more small area, tough slug it out type of players. You want to watch Joe Jackson of Miami of Florida, another good pass rusher against David Edwards, the big athletic offensive tackle from Wisconsin. Now, Edwards is a guy who early on I thought could be a top 10 pick. He has not played as well as people thought this year. He struggled with a shoulder injury. And from what I'm told, that shoulder injury is pretty severe and could limit him as well as hamper him at the next level. Uh, It's going to raise a lot of red flags. I've not heard whether or not Edwards is thinking about entering the draft. Don't even know if he's going to play in this game. But I'm told he's got some severe shoulder issues, which will raise red flags when NFL scouts and NFL teams medically examine him as he moves towards the next level. You know, you mentioned Dieter and you mentioned Willis. 
Those two players will be at the Senior Bowl as well as in this game. So we'll not only get the matchup between them in this game, but we'll also get the matchup between them there. Bo Benchwowell is also going to be at the Senior Bowl for Wisconsin. So there's some representation in the offseason as well from this game. Now, two guys I wanted to point out on the other side of the ball, which would be the Miami offensive matchups and the Wisconsin defensive matchups, are the two inside linebackers for the Badgers, and that's TJ Edwards and Ryan Connolly. Now, neither of these players is what you would call an elite athlete or even really an above average athlete, but they're both very heady linebackers. They find the ball quickly. They're solid tacklers. We currently have Edwards ranked as a third-round prospect, and we have Conley ranked as a fifth-round prospect. It'll be interesting to see how the NFL values these types of players who don't have that kind of run-and-chase athleticism that we constantly talk about the league looking for these days. They're more heady players. They're more guys who are definitely going to have to play inside. They're going to have to make a living on special teams, especially early in their career. So it'll be interesting to see how those two do against the Miami offense as well. Yeah, Edwards is just a guy who consistently makes positive plays. I grade him as a third rounder. That's probably very early. But you know what? He's a terrific football player, not a great athlete. He's shown himself to be a three-down player. He's not just a good run defender. He can drop off the line and play in space against when the ball is in the air. I like the completeness of his game. But you're right. If he does not run well in the 40 in pre-draft workouts, he's going to drop a long way down draft boards. And I don't know that he's going to be able to break under 475 at the combine, which is an important number for linebackers these days. Now we'll move on to Thursday night here and we'll look at the Texas Bowl, which features a couple 500 teams from Power 5 conferences. And that's 6-6 six and six Baylor and Vanderbilt. This game was robbed of an explosive skill player, Jalen Hurd had a knee procedure three weeks ago. He's out for this game. The former running back at Tennessee, who is now a wide receiver slash running back, kind of a gadget player type of player for Baylor. Uh, We won't get to see him, which is quite unfortunate, but we will see him at the Senior Bowl. We'll see if he's healthy by then or whether he's just there for interviews and to kind of talk to teams in lieu of combine interviews. He could have gone up against top Vanderbilt corner Joe Juan Williams, who tied for the SEC lead this year with 14 passes defended. He's tall, he's long, he's physical. What are your thoughts on Williams and some of the others in this game, Tony? Yeah, Williams is a guy that if you read my stuff over the summer when I do my scouting series, I had Williams as a potential third, fourth rounder coming into the season. And he's really exceeded expectations. He's got excellent size, struggles with his back to the ball. His speed is questionable, but I think you could use him at the next level in his own system. You may even be able to kick him inside to safety because he plays physical defense. He's not a a defensive back who's afraid to mix it up. I like his upside. I like his potential. We'll have to wait and see how fast he is to answer those questions as to whether or not he's got that long speed to play cornerback at the next level. Let's stay on herd for a little bit longer, even though he's not going to be playing in this game. I hope that he's able to recover in time to play at the Senior Bowl because there's a big question as to where he's going to line up at the next level. He's six foot four, 225 pounds. You know, is he going to be a receiver? Is he going to move back to running back? Is he a guy who's going to be a tight end H-back type of player? Is he a guy who's going to do all three? I mean, is he a guy that will occasionally take some handoffs in the NFL, line up in the flanks, line up in the slots, line up next to tackle? I'm glad he accepted the invite to the Senior Bowl. I hope he's healthy enough to play because it'll be interesting to see For those of you not familiar with the Senior Bowl, what happens is they mix these guys around. And collegiate tackles will sometimes play center. They'll sometimes play guard. Guards will be kicked out to tackle. You know, inside linebackers will be used at the outside. And they move these guys around at different positions to test their versatility and where they project to the next level. So I thought that will be, or hopefully it's going to be an important aspect if Hurd is able to compete in the Senior Bowl. I do like Vanderbilt's offensive tackle, Justin School, a bit. 
I have him graded as a six-round choice, which is the same grade that NFL scouts gave him entering the season, as well as their third-year sophomore tackle, Devin Cochran, who I grade a round earlier as a fifth-rounder. Yeah, and it'll be very interesting, as you were talking about with her, to see where he's going to line up at the Senior Bowl if he's able to play. That'll kind of clue us in, a lot like we got clued in last year with Jalen Samuels, who was kind of an H-back tight end type of player for NC State, was used as a running back at the Senior Bowl, was drafted as a running back by the Steelers, and you know recently has been playing instead of James Conner here since Conner's been hurt, um, and he's been getting work as a legitimate running back. You know, Also a guy that's going to catch passes out of the backfield. You would think that Hurd being 6'4 and and having that tall center of gravity, it's going to be tough for him to be a full-time running back at the NFL level. But in reality, his position doesn't matter that much. You just get the ball in his hands and you watch him go to work. He's a guy that at the very least, if you line him up in the slot, you can line him up outside. You can work him in with shovel passes. So a creative offensive coordinator won't care about Jalen Hurd not necessarily having a position and will care about the skill and the ability that he brings to the table. You mentioned Joe Juan Williams. You mentioned that he's more of a zone corner. I also think he could probably succeed in press with his physical skills and also his tenacity and, and general mentality. You know, he's not the kind of guy that you're going to want shadowing receivers who are quick out of their breaks. He's not the kind of guy that's going to be able to stay with them. But if you use him in the right way in a cover two scenario where he can bump opposing receivers off the line, let him go up the sideline to safeties and really play in that sort of zone situation, I think that's a good spot for Williams in the future. Or, like I said, maybe inside of safety because he's got that size to play safety. He's got that physical nature. Again, with with a guy like that, I would agree with you. You can't afford to put him over guys that are very quick. We'll have to wait and see what his 40 time is. And that's all we have for you here on episode number 13 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to send us questions to answer on the show as well. Go check us out at draftanalyst.com. We'll have every prospect from every bowl game graded and ranked for all of the upcoming matchups. The games just keep on coming. We're going to have several games on a daily basis at this point. So we'll keep on bringing you shows to give you all the information you need to watch these games and be fully informed and prepare yourself for April's draft. For Tony Pauline, this is Trish Rapoti. Good night.